Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Make Comics Podcast, the show where we talk about the nuts and bolts of making comics. My name is Joey Grow. His name is Andy Schmidt. And today we are talking about budgeting and kickstarting. These are, are things we've talked about before. And Andy, um, you, you kind of just uh, a very polite way of saying, why don't you shut up and let's talk about this on mic as we were talking about it ahead of time. That, that's not entirely true. Uh, it's just how I took it. Now, we, we were talking about, you know, something that might be relevant to the audience related to um, a question that, that I've seen pop up from time to time and something that I've personally been thinking about is uh, when you're making a comic and you're thinking about budgeting. So let's assume you're a writer or artist or both or, you know, one or the other and trying to think about putting together your comic to take the Kickstarter and trying to think about not just the budgeting necessarily for the comic, uh, but how you should think about treating uh, your collaborators, you know, in terms of a royalty or in terms of profit sharing, however you might want to think about it. And I, I know I've seen some creators remark on social media that might be letterers or colorists or remark when, you know, an indie title that they've worked on that gets published through Image, when the folks that actually own the comic get paid for, say, trade paperback or any kind of royalties, you know, they make a point to say it's great to work with, and I'll, I'll single them out here because I remember seeing somebody talk about Jim Zub and Skull Kickers or another title that they worked on with Jim Zub. You know, Jim Zub is paying me for working on this trade, you know, and in theory, they've worked on the comic once already. You know, they've done the, here's the, the lettering, here's the coloring. And that's something that I've thought about with work that I've had you know, in the can that was for a pitch that didn't go anywhere, you know, never saw, uh, never really saw publication, but I've used in different kind of calling card ways or as digital rewards. It's like, hey, I'm also going to send you this free comic, you know, something that never really went to the to the public. So I, I realize I'm, I'm laying out kind of a, a big field that we can narrow down on. But, you know, specifically thinking about budgeting and how you should plan your Kickstarter, I think, is, is something that gets revisited you know, should probably be revisited every Kickstarter since that landscape has changed right. and, and since what you're doing has changed and your targeting has changed. But for me, you know, that's something that's been on my mind is how do you fairly compensate folks that are working with you from either an artistic collaborator to, you know, letter, color, editor? Right. So there's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot. Um, so there's kind of... Um, there's kind of a, a couple of different ways to look at this, to look at this kind of thing. Um, the first is the creative team, your creative collaborators, right? Using the example you use where you're, uh, you know, often, more often than not, if it's a member of the creator team, who's the one putting up money or, or running the Kickstarter uh, themselves, it's, it's more often than not, it's the writer. So we'll just kind of use that as sure. an example. But if you're an artist doing it, then you know modify as you as you need to. But so the first thing you need to do is is figure out how the creative team is going to be compensated. Um, and there there's different things. There's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, but then you also need to figure out from a you know if you're doing a Kickstarter specifically like what's the goal I need to hit to be able to fulfill whatever it is that's being ordered on this Kickstarter. It's, it's an OGN, right? It's an original graphic novel, mm -hmm. but that goal, that minimum goal is supposed to cover, like, what is that covering for you? 
as as the creator like are you willing to take a loss overall to have a successful kickstarter to get a book made or whatever um or are you or are you not in which case then that goal is going to have to be you know significantly higher in order to cover all the creative costs all the printing costs all the shipping costs and whatever else right. there's always other things so <clears throat> So that's sort of sort of arriving at what that number is for your goal is encompasses everything from a budgeting mm-hmm. standpoint, including, like I said, if you're willing, like if you're like, hey, I'm doing this and part of the reason I'm doing this is to further my career as a comics writer because I want this book made and I want to be able to hand it out to people. Sure. So maybe it's OK in your case if you take a loss because what you're paying for is having this cool calling card. Right. Right. You know, that mental math is up to you. Everybody's, you know, mileage may vary, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in terms of creators, you know, largely what you're looking at is, are you are you paying them work for hire so that all 100% of the rights are transferring to you? Um, are you paying that or are you paying them like an advance against royalties, which means you're out of pocket up front, but theoretically on the back end, you get to recoup the money that you gave them um, because I was an advance against the royalties. So before you start paying out the profit split, the royalties um, to them, you actually get to recoup the amount that you've already paid them as if those were royalty payments. You just right, sure. that money for a while, right? And then once, let's say you paid somebody $100 to do the book and their royalty, they get 10%. Once that 10% reaches 100 bucks, you keep that first 100 bucks, then you make another hundred dollars and you owe them ten more dollars right then you would actually have to pay them the ten dollars after that that's basically how it works um uh or is it is it completely on the back end in which case you know they have an ownership stake or at least a profit share stake um you're not out any cash up front but when money starts coming in um then you start paying them uh, which you're agreed to. So that's, so those are different. Those are the three main ways. Um, there are of course other ways and there's differences and there's, there's sort of hybrid versions of things. Um, those are the three kind of main ways to, to pay people. You can also do a thing where you're paying them, you know, like if you go do a book at Marvel or DC, the way the contract is written is they pay you X amount of dollars to, in my case, write the book. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wrote, six issues of crime syndicate recently and then if those books sell x number of copies or make x amount of dollars then i get a royalty basically a performance-based royalty on money earned beyond that threshold that threshold is usually a a pretty decent threshold because you know they're paying you outright (laughs) right right you know for stuff you know um, but that's also a big incentive, right? That's why that's a big part of the reason why you see big name creators on big books because they want to be on the books that they know are going to sell the most because they make a lot more money Sure. once it starts passing that royalty threshold. So there's a nice financial incentive to want to be on those books. Um, so that's, that's one thing that you have to figure out. Then you have to figure out, okay, the size and shape of this book you know, it's going to be 120 pages. It's going to be this height, this width on this paper stock. I'm going to want to print, you know, I'm going to need to print 
you know, we're going to need to sell a thousand of these or whatever it is. I'm just throwing out kind of random numbers, usually less than a thousand on an OGM. Um, you know, and so I'm going to need to set a print run. I want to start getting some, some ballpark print costs. And then you have to figure out and a, what else is going in this thing? Like what are the add-ons, that sort of thing. And then, and then B you have to figure out shipping costs and you can only estimate that stuff, right? Because the book itself may change during your campaign. You might have a stretch goals and Hey, we're going to add 10 more pages of this cool thing, or we're going to, you know, at this stretch goal, we, you know, once we hit this threshold, now there's a gatefold thing that folds out in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so as, as things start to change, your pricing changes. Um, I don't recommend throwing a gatefold in there. That's expensive. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, or you're going to do a foil stamp on the logo or whatever it is. Right. And that'll, that'll affect, that'll affect pricing. Hopefully th those stretch goals are a little going to be a little bit offset because your print run hopefully will be higher. So there, there, you know, can be some discounts just from the quantity you're printing. So there's lots of those things, but like it's, it's impossible to put together even the most intricate of spreadsheets that will tell you this is what the whole thing is going to cost you. Uh -huh. Right. So at some, at some point, you, you wind up pulling the trigger being like, this is the best guess I can do. And I've allowed myself X amount of cushion. Right. Right. Always allow yourself cushion, you know, when, when setting your goals, if you need it, if you don't need cushion because you can finance it independently or whatever, then never mind. Um, but you know, those are all, those are, those are your major factors. And for anybody that really wants to drill down on this, you're thinking about doing a Kickstarter in the next six months or a year, I would highly recommend signing up for our Kickstarting Your Comic or Graphic Novel class um, that is starting on November 10th um, and runs for six weeks. It's an amazing class run by Ryan Brown, who uh, just did a Kickstarter for his God Hates Astronauts graphic novel. I think it was like around $350,000 Kickstarter. Did, did really well. <laughs> yeah, he's had um, a number of successes. He's actually been on the podcast before. And, right. and talked about some basic Kickstarter stuff. So you can get a, a flavor for what, and granted it might be a little dated uh, information, but you can go back through the archives on comicsexperience.com and on the podcast so, tab and, and find out what Ryan, you know, his, his path to getting from uh, self-publishing to wow, self-publishing. Right. Yeah. To where he's like, he's killing it. Right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that Kickstarter has added on now that, you that you know, a lot of people use a thing called backer kit so that, like, after the campaign is over, now people that back the campaign, they get asked, do you want to buy these add-ons, blah, blah, blah. And that's you usually do that through a thing called backer kit, which helps you also print out your labels and all that sort of stuff. For, right. For, for uh, what's the word? Shipping. Sure. Right. That, that word that's very elusive. Right. Um, but uh, but now Kickstarter allows you to, to 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 they've got their own option for that. So once the campaign is over, it allows people to add on through the Kickstarter platform. Um, but those are you know those are those are weird things. And and I've been doing a ton of research on on Kickstarter. I just read a couple of books on sort of marketing Kickstarters and how to run successful ones and all that kind of stuff. Because with CEX, uh, the publishing company you know, as an independent publisher, like I need to know how these things work. I need to know how they work because I'm watching Kickstarter for cool books that a, I want to read, 
be, I might be interested in reaching out to see if they're interested in a publishing deal. I think they're really cool and they've got a marketing angle. Um, and C, as a small publisher, like we're probably going to be using Kickstarter to fund some things that we might not otherwise be able to publish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, so and all of my research has has brought me to you know more or less the fifty thousand foot view of what we just said. But the I think where a lot of creators um, get into trouble is actually when they're successful, right? If you if you made the bare minimum, you've probably worked out who gets what. Like that's probably pretty clear. Hopefully, it, hopefully it is right, right. But if you wind up making a bunch of money, then at what point, you know, if you bought the stuff, work for hire, so you own the copyright outright. They're not owed. No one is owed anything, but that your Kickstarter takes off and you made $100,000 on it and you paid somebody, you know, $40 a page for the artwork. Well, A, congratulations. You did a great job. But B, like, is it really cool of you to not pay them more? Right. <laughs> like, if, if the thing does, you know, gangbusters. So, like, as you get more successful, it actually gets more complicated because you start to realize, oh, there actually is money in this thing. I just went in assuming there wouldn't be any real money. If there's no real money, then there's not a whole lot to talk about, right? But if the thing is successful, you know, you want to probably put in like, how do I pay out people? People, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that on the fly, right? Um, right. So, you know, if you're the one that put all the money up front, so you had all the financial risk, you know, then I think, you know, I think that there's a case that that has value. That may not mean that you're entitled to all of the profit or that you morally should get all of the profit mm -hmm. but that has value you were the one that took the risk the risk paid off but it should pay off for you it should also pay off for those people that put in that, all that sweat equity as well right so you know that's just sort of being a good human <laughs> but also sort of a, also a smart business person or a smart collaborator because the last thing you want to do maybe not the last thing you want to do the last thing you want to do is have something that completely tanks but close to the last thing you want to do is have something that's really successful, but you burn a whole bunch of bridges. It actually winds up not helping your career long-term or, or sure. you know, the, the friendships or professional relationships at the very least that you've got with people that work on it go really sour. And then you've got people out there that are, that are like, I wouldn't recommend working with so-and-so. They kind of hosed me on the right. thing. They break based largely on my work and they just weren't interested in, you know, whatever. So those professional relationships, those friendships, um, which often, you know, occur, are, are really important. And that can be really hard. Like once money gets involved, or contracts get involved, it gets, it's difficult. One of the, one of the things that like, I like, <laughs> cause Ryan, you know, pencils, writes pencils, inks, colors, and letters in his own book. Right. And, uh, so like it's all his <laughs> with those books take off he's earned it he's earned every bit um you know and i sort of um you know i sort of envy the fact that he doesn't have to deal with i mean he definitely works for those people but um you know i kind of envy the fact that on those things he doesn't have to work out quite as many personality um angles and you know make sure everybody you know like it, it eliminates hassle is not the right word but it eliminates complexity Right. And, um, and necessary. And I think for a lot of folks on the comic side, if you're not doing it full time, you're 
or you're just dipping your toe into it with something like a Kickstarter where it seems like you could reach an audience and have, you know, guaranteed sales, air quotes, guaranteed sales. That's not maybe something you've navigated before because you're dealing with the legal aspects too. And you, you want to treat people fairly and you're accounting and it, you know, it's, it's that big swirl of, Oh, I got to do a bunch of stuff. And those are, are necessary conversations that aren't always easy to have, especially if you don't have a lot of experience doing it and you aren't, necessarily being guided by a tax professional or a legal, you know, a lawyer or somebody that can walk you through those steps of, hey, well, you and you and the artist are going to be partners, right? Okay, well, you know, what's the risk? What's the this? How's the payout work of X? And hey, you want to make more of these? Cool. Okay, well, what's the threshold to go, hey, we're going to start saving, you know, once we hit $8,000, everybody's been paid, that covers printing, that covers the print we're going to send, that covers shipping, that covers the, the compensation we're going to give to folks on the back end. And then every other dollar we're going to put to the next issue. Okay, cool. You know, and getting to those, to, to have that understanding, uh, to have that collaboration that feels like everybody's being treated equitably and, you know, not just from, uh, hey, your voice is involved, but hey, you feel like you're getting co-creator compensation. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and to add, add fuel to all that, let's say you're, you've got stretch goals that are like, hey, we're going to add this variant cover that so-and-so did, that special guest artist did. Right. So does that person, you know, people are buying it for that person's cover. Do they get, do they get paid out on like a royalty basis for mm. contributing the cover? Like it gets really complicated really fast, which yeah. is one of the reasons why, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I really do, you know, it's not just me trying to like sell the class, but it's one of the reasons I really thought a class on this is really necessary is because those things you don't anticipate those things until they start cropping up and so you know the way the course is structured is you basically are working through setting up your kickstarter like you can create a, you know a fake kickstarter that you're not planning on running sure but you're actually doing that along you know, kind of with ryan and ryan's showing you kind of here's the next steps and here's the next thing here's budgeting here's this and here's how you estimate postage and if you're doing international postage how do you do how do you figure that out like what percent you estimate will be in the UK, what percent do you estimate are going to be in Australia? What percent do you estimate will be in, you know, most of the rest of the EU, you know? Um, and you know, that's not, it's, it's not universal, right? It's not like every comic sold the same percentages across, you know, across different places. It all depends on a lot of different things. Right. Um, you know, so it's just, um, it just gets really complicated really, really fast. Like one of the things that when setting up CEX, the publisher, one of the things that I felt very strongly that we needed to figure out so that it was set forth, you know, in an initial contract was not just what's it look, what, what's it look like if we run a Kickstarter for, for the book. Mm -hmm. Right. But then, but then we'll now I've, we've run a Kickstarter. We've also wound up publishing the book we got 150 copies of your trade paperback that are in a, that are in a warehouse and we'll sell them at shows and we'll probably sell them out in the bookstore, you know, over time, you know, as things continue to, to sell and we'll continue to push your books, but also like, Hey, I've, I've got this other Kickstarter I'm going to run for this other creator's cool project. Well, one of the, maybe it's a stretch goal or maybe it's a, you know, a different tier, but we could take that first book that is not at all affiliated with the thing we're kickstarting, mm -hmm. right? And we could add, we could put that on as another tier, like, oh, get this cool other CEX book. If 
by this cool creative team that we think you'll like. So our contract actually has that figured in too. How does it work if your book that's already been published is now offered as a part of somebody else's Kickstarter campaign, you should be compensated for that. And you know in our initial contract exactly how you get compensated and how that's all calculated. Um, you know, so when you start thinking through those things, right, if you're the creator and you own everything, that's great. The more books you do, the more backlist you've got, the more things you can offer as add-ons. Hey, make sure you, you know, you know, in the case of Ryan Brown, like he did Blast Furnace, he did the original God Hates Astronauts, he's done Curse Words, you know, he's done a bunch of things. And so each, each time he does a new Kickstarter, he can offer the older product as long as he still has. Right. Yeah, as long as he printed enough to, that he has got copies or is willing to do another print run. But, you know, that's part of the publishing business. And, and a lot of people don't understand that that the publishing business is not a, we sold a thing for a week and we made a killing. It's not opening weekend at the box office, right? What we're, you know, the long tail in like movies, and by long tail, I mean like it, it, it does, it, it makes money and then it continues to make decent money like week after week after week. That's pretty rare like right. in, in your in your movie box office, especially during a pandemic. Right. But prior to that, that was pretty rare. Like one of one of the best uh, examples of that. There are a couple of there are two examples. Both of these are musicals, actually. But Sing, the, the, the cartoon movie, Sing never reached number one, but made like tons of money because people just kept coming and coming and coming. They were coming back over and over again. So I had, had what's called a long tail just week after week after week made money but it was never the number one movie at the box office not even opening weekend hmm. um and the greatest showman with hugh jackman or yeah. as he's better known for people in this podcast with wolverine um was was uh, similarly i don't remember if it was number one or not at any point but but it didn't have a huge opening but fans were super enthusiastic and, it, and again it just it it stayed it stayed in that top 10 forever as other movies hit number one and then dropped out, Greatest Showman just stayed hovering around four, five, six, seven, all the way through. Publishing is the long, it's a long tail business, right? So yes, you're going to make more money theoretically, like the, the, the day you're first on sale, right? But that's your issue one comic. You still have issue two, three, and four, if it's a miniseries or whatever you have, perhaps you have a hardcover, perhaps it's a Kickstarter you know, like you got, then you're going to, then it's part of an omnibus. It's like, and those things you, you just, you keep selling them. Right. And so it's rare that something is profitable, you know, right away. Um, and, and people need to understand that going in to comics. It, it may never be profitable. It's not a guarantee that it will ever be profitable. But if sure. you've got a good product that people react to that, that's got a, a decent marketing hook so you can sell it. You're selling it at shows week after week after week or month after month after month. And you would be year after year. Like we just, we did a pretty sizable print run on a book that we're publishing at CEX uh, called Mother Russia. It's a one shot. It's set in Russia during World War II and it's a zombie story and it's a silent issue set in the winter with this, you know, this woman and this kid and they're trying to survive in, you know, in Leningrad or St. Petersburg or whatever. Um, I should know my towns better by now, but, um, <laughs> I think it's in, uh, yeah, Leningrad would be what it was, but so, um, you know, and, 
uh, but it's great. And it's a, it's a done in one. It's kind of a horror story. It's a, it's, you know, it's a winter special. It's mother Russia, the winter special. And we overprinted that because that is something that I can sell if I'm at a table, you know, at a convention can sell it on the website. I can sell that. Right. Because it's just, it's, it's an easy hook. Right. Um, and so it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if I sell that in 2021 or if it's next Christmas and I'm sorry, next October and I'm selling it in 2022 or 2023, I'm, I'm going to be able to move through those units. Might take me two or three years because <laughs> I've printed <laughs> a lot of uh, the regular edition. So, um, but it'll happen, right? It could happen right away. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a long tail business and, you know, so Kickstarter is just part of it. It's probably on the front end, uh, but then hopefully, you know, you can get it picked up by a publisher or you can self-publish it and get it in the bookstores or whatever. You can get it in, you can get it in the shops. Um, you're tabling at shows and eventually you, for a lot of folks, it's crawling over that line, but they get, but you know, it's, it's a commitment and each project is like that. And long tail, I think is theoretically the... get, get, get easier you know, theoretically, theoretically, Go ahead. I think I was going to say long tail is certainly the way to view it. And all those different venues that you've talked about, I know that there are different stories of folks getting picked up from different publishers here and there. And there's also that readership you are potentially cultivating for your future Kickstarters. So your next one could be, you know, for a larger dollar amount, it could reach more folks. And, you know, in theory, you keep building like that, like you'd build any other uh, aspects of, of building that readership. And, you know, making, making it make money multiple times. And, you know, it's, it is interesting to think about like Orion Brown, who's had success uh, at image and uh, obviously has had a number of Kickstarter successes. And in the past, uh, you mentioned uh, (laughs) a collective $300,000 for two different Kickstarters. And, you know, this calendar year is, is impressive, but folks like, um, you know, Jeff Smith uh, doing a Kickstarter to reach, uh, I, I don't know his plan if it was to reach a different audience or to help get that upfront financing. And, you know, that's, that's bones, Jeff Smith. Uh, and I'm sure he had, had to work through a lot of logistics, but thinking about that long tail of somebody that was making indie comics in the nineties that, you know, figured out this great relationship with Scholastic to release the book multiple times through Scholastic or like a, a Robert Kirkman releasing walking dead through, you know, multiple, multiple iterations of here's the trade, here's the omnibus, here's the really big collection with the process stuff, and now here's the color version. That's sort of comics. You know, it's always sort of been comics, and to have those tools available is, is great. But to that bigger point of, you know, what you're talking about in getting those ducks in a row and, and having everything figured out up front, uh, it, not everyone is going to be Bone or Walking Dead or, or God Hates Astronauts, but having that plan and, and knowing that, you know, ticking that off as a, a an item on your checklist, I think is a pretty necessary thing because sometimes you will have that. Uh, but mostly, you know, it's figuring out how to do right by the folks that you're working with and justly compensate everyone for their involvement. So you can keep making more and they want to keep making more with you. Yeah. It's uh man, you say all that and now I'm just tired. I'm just tired. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's um, yeah. Getting back to your original question, just to sort of kind of put a put a pin in that one. Um, you know, budgeting is super important. And it's it's something that, that a lot of people think of last, and it's okay to not have that be your first thought, but it's something you definitely want to be thinking about. 
right? Like you want to, you want to understand how this, and you want to, you want to come at it from a ethical and sort of relationship point of view, I think, because right. it's too small an industry to, to burn too many bridges too fast. Right. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to always have awesome relationships with everyone forever. Um, we all make mistakes and sometimes that mistake is just, you know what, I worded that incorrectly. It came out wrong and that left a, left a bad taste in somebody's mouth. Like sometimes it's as simple as that, but hit the ball right more times than not, hopefully a lot more often than not. Um, because the industry really is kind of too small for you to just be like, if you just start burning through bridge after bridge after bridge, that is going to get around. Um, and it's going to make life a little bit more difficult to make your comics. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it, it, people don't get into, you get into comics cause you like making comics and you want to, you want to do all the right steps along the way. And I think, you know, we have folks on to talk about the Kickstarters that they're doing and we usually don't get into the weeds of how much are you paying people and what's your plan? So I think having these conversations is, is really good from, uh, you know, planning and thinking about what we're doing, <laughs> how are we going to do it to standpoint? It's, uh, it's the necessity of, of making right. comics. And I think I may have misspoke. Uh, quick quick change on the fly, speaking about making errors. I believe uh, the past, Ryan Brown's past two Kickstarters have been 2020 and 2021. So two separate instances of of him clearing about 142,000 in uh, gross pledges. Because I was, I was misreading that as we were talking. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I did not want to represent misrepresent uh, Ryan's work. But you can go to kickstarter.com uh, backslash projects backslash Ryan Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, and, and see what Ryan's done in the past as well as go to comicsexperience.com and check out the Kickstarter course that's upcoming, the Kickstarting Your Comic or Graphic Novel course that kicks off in November, November 10th through December. Because all of a sudden, there's only two months left in this year. How did that happen? Well, none of us were paying attention as days came by one after another, all seemingly the same as the day before. Uh, apparently, That's that, how that, happened. that doesn't even need to be a separate topic. You did that in a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, Joey, I think we did pretty well here. Uh, but if we missed anything, dear listeners, um, email us at info at comicsexperience.com. Tweet at us at comic experience, no S in the middle, uh, or at Joe. You're just at Joey Grow, right? On Twitter. On Twitter. I am at Joey G. Joey G. Dang it. Yep. Yep. Almost had it. Easy Uh, enough to find. And and boy, if you don't think that I went back in time to look at when I joined and how soon the guy got at Joey, it was about uh, 10 months after I got my Twitter handle, he got at Joey. Because at the time, I didn't think like, why would you just use your first name? That doesn't make sense. That's dumb. Nope. Yeah. And if you want to follow me personally, I'm at 39A Andy. That's two A's in the middle, 39A A N D Y. Um, CEX Publishing, at CEX Publishing for the publishing company, um, and at Comic Experience, which you would tweet at if you've got a question. But yeah, hit us up with questions for the podcast. We're happy to answer more. Um, and of course, check out Comic Experience's courses and our creators' workshop. The uh, the engine that is driving new comp, new content and new comics creators into the industry at a uh, meteoric pace. That's not even a thing, a meteoric pace, but I'm oh. going to stick with it. <laughs> and always online, twenty four seven. You can go and 
connect with other people that are making comics or ask questions about making comics. And next week, uh, obviously, we have to answer the question, what is time? So that'll be a that'll be an episode I'm sure you won't want to miss. Uh, but like Andy said, contact us social media or email and ask a question. And until next time, keep making comics. <laughs>